around Christmas time, we get to remember and relive all these wonderful, amazing, unique stories that we've been told our whole lives. We remember, we think about, we hear the story of how Gabriel came to Mary and made this incredible announcement that she would conceive and that she would bear a son. We get to remember how the angel showed up to the shepherds, a heavenly host just lit up the night sky and told the shepherds that they would be born in the city of David, who is a savior, who is Christ the Lord. We remember how the wise men came and they followed the star, came from the east and they brought presents and they came into the presence of Jesus Christ and they gave their gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. There's these all amazing moments that we look forward to and remember every single Christmas. But have you ever thought about what happened the very next day? Like after the angels showed up and after the wise men left, what changed? For Mary, I'm sure she had this announcement, but then the very next day she probably didn't feel any different. Eventually, a few days later, months later, she would start showing and word would get out around the town that she was an, a pregnant, unwed teenager. She would be mocked and laughed at and ridiculed and made fun of, even in the Gospel of John that we're walking through as a church. Later on in Jesus' life, when he's around 30 years old, there's still Pharisees who are taking shots at Mary. She would carry this stigma, this almost like scarlet A on her chest the rest of her life. The shepherds, they go, they, they see the Christ child is born. They return to the fields and then they come back the next night to keep watch over their flock just another night. They're still the same people. They still got all their same hurts and habits and hangups. Nothing's changed. They had a great event one night. The wise men, after they see Jesus, they leave and, and, and God kind of directs them not to go back to Herod and tell him. So they leave and they go another way. Herod finds out that he's been tricked. He becomes enraged and he decides now to go kill every male child two years and younger. Right? This is what happens the next day following these amazing amazing stories and things we hold on to. We think about what happened the next day, the next week, the next few months. And what we see is there's still a lot of darkness. Nothing really even changed or sometimes it got worse. And I think about that this year. Out of all the years, this has been a hard year. Out of all the years, we need a little Christmas, right? I hear sentiments like that. People saying like, I just can't wait for Christmas to be here. And I saw it happen, right? As soon as Halloween was over, the trees were going up. We were just wanting, right, to sprinkle some red and green sugar on top of this 2020. I've, and I hear these sentiments like, man, I just can't wait for 2021 to get here. I'm so ready for 2020 to be done. And I get that, I feel that, I understand that, I agree with that. But then I start to ask myself, what do we think is gonna be different on December 26th? What do we think is gonna be different on January the 1st? Like everything's just gonna magically fix itself. Right? Is there really some sort of agenda or ideology or philosophy? Is there some sort of stimulus package like a $600 check's just gonna make all the problems in the world go away? Like, is that what we're hoping for? But probably what's gonna happen is this. We're gonna get to February. We're gonna get to March. 
And you're still gonna be wrestling with your finances. Your marriage may still be unraveling. Your children still may be walking away from the Lord. You still may be a slave to your addictions. There may be racism, COVID, sexism, and political division. It's all still gonna be here in February. So what do we do, right, when, when the next day darkness still remains? Like when Christmas comes and goes and the new year comes and goes, what do we do next year when nothing really changes? What do we do with our fears, our flaws, and our failures when they follow us around the rest of our lives? See, the truth is our biggest problem is not our fears, but rather where we place our trust. I think internally you all agree with that statement, but let me kind of highlight and share a story to help you kind of say, yeah, I understand that. For me, I hate snakes. Any other snake haters out there? Let's go. Thank you very much. You should all be raising your hand, right? I absolutely hate snakes. I think it started when I was a little kid and I watched the Indiana Jones movie too early. When Indiana fell down that snake pit, I was done. It was over, right? I touched a snake one time in high school. My buddy had one. I'm like, you better turn its head away from me. And, like, and, I, and I, I just like reached up there and touched it. I felt the electricity of sin pulse through my body. Just, whoa, I hate them. And so one night, I'm doing my husbandly, fatherly duty of turning off every light in the house and locking all the doors before I go to bed. And I walk into my kitchen, and I hit the last light, and there it was. Five foot long cop, well, it may have been five inches, but it felt like it was five feet long. Little five inch snake in my kitchen, just kind of looking at me, kind of taunting me a little bit, right? And so I did what any good husband, father, protector would do. I jumped up on the bar, you know. My, my child's sleeping, my pregnant wife's in the other room, so I'm trying not to wake up the baby, and I'm like, Jamie! I want her to come kill it, right? I'll just stay up there on the bar. She didn't wake up, so I had to do it. So I run to the garage to get my snake killing tools and weapons. I don't have a lot of options there, right? I just grab a rake and I run back because I want to make sure he's still there. I get back and he's still there just taunting me, you know, just looking at me. I'm like, I got this metal rake. I'm not going to be able to just stab it. I don't know how I'm going to kill this guy. And it's like, I've seen a knight's tale before. Maybe I'll joust it. And so I flipped the rake over. I put the wooden broom handle down on the ground. I just painted my face blue, full brave heart. I ran at the snake. I pinned it against the wall and it exploded in half. And I was like, whoa, I was feeling, I had so much adrenaline raging through my body. And then I went and woke up my pregnant wife. I was like, you got to get that snake out of here. I'm done. I hate snakes. And my girls know this about me. So guess where we got to go to when we go to the zoo? The haunted house, the snake shack, right? The herpetorium. And so my little girls know I hate snakes. They're like, come on, let's go to the snake shack when we go to the zoo. And we go to the zoo and they take me in there. And I don't like it, but I'll go. But here's what's interesting. At the zoo, I can get probably within 18 inches of a 20-foot-long, big-around, most deadly poisonous snake in the world. Why? What's different? My fear of snakes didn't change. Actually, being at the zoo, it heightened a little bit. So what's changed? 
See, at the zoo, I can face my fears because I found something reliable to put my trust in. At home, in my kitchen, I put my trust in me and a a little rake. But at the zoo, I put my trust in the triple pane, impenetrable zoo glass and the fact that they'll get a lawsuit if they let that snake out. That's what I'm trusting in, right? So as we, as we go play this year over in our head again, even sitting here today or thinking about what's coming on December 26th or what's coming in 2021, I would ask you this, what are you placing your trust in? It's not about just getting these fears to go away and do all this. It's stuff's just gonna be with us forever. As long as before Jesus comes back and restores and renews everything, we're going to live in a broken, fallen world. So try to get all this stuff to go away. It's not practical. It's not the way to approach it. But rather, it's like, what am I putting my trust in in the midst of darkness when I face my fears? And you may say, oh, I bet you're going to tell me to put my trust in Jesus. Absolutely I am. Being that I'm a pastor, this is a church with a Christmas worship service, absolutely I'm gonna tell you to trust in Jesus. But more than that, I wanna tell you why you can and why you should put your trust in Jesus in the midst of fear, in the midst of darkness, all through 2021 and the rest of your life when nothing really changes and things stay broken and dismal. Why should we put our faith and trust in Jesus? In the book of Isaiah, they write some prophecies about the birth of Jesus some 740 years. Before the actual birth of Jesus, there's these sayings. In Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then in Isaiah 9, 6, this is what we're really going to clue in on. For unto us, a child, speaking of that same child, is born, a son is given. The government shall be on his shoulders and his name. Now it's about to say the name. And back then, the name had meaning. It's not like today. Like, like my name, Destin, it means you were conceived in Destin, Florida. Thanks, mom and dad. Get to carry that around. Real deep spiritual meaning to Destin, Right? And maybe you're just named Bob or Steve or what, I don't know what you, you know, and maybe it's got something, maybe it doesn't. But here in the Jewish community, your name was your essence. This is who you are. And it says he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. In the midst of darkness, When you face your fears, you can and should trust in Jesus because he is a wonderful counselor. The word there for wonderful, it's the same word we use for like signs and wonders. It's a word that can also be translated as miraculous. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. He's a miraculous advice giver. He has an extraordinary plan for your life. Why is that? Because he knit you together in your mother's womb. He's from the beginning of all time. He's been around a little bit. He's got some wisdom. 
He's got some experience. He knows you better than any earthly counselor ever could. Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. And he says, you can trust in me and you should trust in me because I am a wonderful counselor. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't trust in some things in this world. Sure, there's some, some good, smart people. They give good advice. They give some wise counsel. I've never met a human to give miraculous, supernatural, extraordinary advice. Actually, what I've seen a lot this year is a lot of human beings saying some very unwise things. You seen it? You seen anybody say something that's kind of folly, kind of foolish, kind of doesn't make sense? But Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Is there anyone more perfect and wise than him? In Proverbs 3, 5, it says, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, on your wisdom, on your experience, on your thoughts and feelings, but trust in Jesus. We can and we should trust in Jesus because he is the mighty God. That, that, that word or two words there can also be translated as great hero. Not to diminish the deity of Jesus, but it kind of gives a description of who he is, a great hero, right? He has supernatural power, but yet he doesn't force himself on us, but Jesus takes his power and uses it for us. Right, it's a villain that has power that uses it for themselves. But it's a hero who has power and uses it for the benefit of others. And how powerful is Jesus? He is so powerful and so mighty that he can absorb all the evil and sin in the world. He's so powerful that he can pay the penalty and take the punishment for all the sin in the world. He's so powerful that he can defeat death and raise from the grave and, and bring people to eternal life. Who or what else can do that? I haven't heard anybody on the news lately saying like, yes, I can and I will take all the evil and absorb it. I'll destroy all the evil. This is why we put our trust in Jesus, the triple pane, impenetrable glass, right? Nothing else has this kind of power. Jesus can and should be trusted because he's the everlasting father. It's not a Trinitarian statement. There's God the Father, and we're talking about God the Son, but it's a descriptive of who he is. He's, he's fatherly in nature. It's not imposing, but it's, it's sacrificial, right? It's a good dad who, who lays his life down and sacrifices for the good and the betterment and the flourishing of his family. And it's eternal. It's not a dad that's going to walk out on you or leave you, right? But he's there forever. He sticks. Another way you can translate this everlasting father is father of eternity. And the way the Jews would think about it is that the, the word father, it means like the originator or the source. That's why we see in the Gospel of John, it says that Satan is the father of lies. He's the originator. He's the source of lies. And so here we see Jesus is the originator. And Jesus is the source of eternity. And that's why we can and should put our faith and trust in him. Because nothing else promises that. 
Every other person, every other thing in this world, right, is temporary, will one day erode and decay and blow up and burn up, but not Jesus. He's everlasting. The fourth and final reason we can and should trust Jesus, he is the prince of peace. He comes in peace and he comes to establish peace. But think about this, like how will God deliver us from a world full of arrogance and war and oppression? Is Jesus gonna be more arrogant, more warlike, more oppressive? No, something has to stop the vicious cycle of violence because hate begets hate and violence begets a greater violence. And so in a world where people wield ego and power and fear, God sends a baby, transparent, vulnerable, and humble. It's something different that breaks the cycle of violence. Because no weapon and no amount of raw strength or military might can ever create peace. Because no weapon, no amount of raw strength, and no military might can ever cure the sinful hearts of human beings. So my friend, there is no true reconciliation in this world without Jesus. And there is no true peace in this world without the Prince of Peace. We are reconciled to him through the cross is what Romans 5.10 says. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Because we are reconciled to God, we can find and be reconciled man to man, one to another. This is why Jesus can and should be trusted. I want you to see, I want you to hear a story of a girl in our church. Her name is Devin, a friend of mine, who in the midst of some darkness, in the midst of some fear, worry, and anxiety, she chose to put her trust in Jesus. And it's changed everything. Take a look. church. I was exposed to it. My mom had definitely told us every night before we go to bed, we pray. Um, she was very adamant on that, but otherwise it wasn't something that we did as a family. We'd... A reoccurring pattern for me happened to be um, whoever I happen to get close with doesn't seem to last. I've had, um, you know, father figures and actual fathers who were part of my life. My, my original father was never there. He left very early in my childhood and I had a stepdad who came in. So it's just a reoccurring pattern that the people I get close with aren't always there. So I try to make the most of that beautiful time that we have together, but not expecting anything to really truly last. There was a major point in my life where I I got so depressed I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to go to work. I just felt like if something were to happen to me, would these people then care? Um, I went to a church that my, my parents had slightly gone to um, just down the road and I met with a counselor and she was the very first person to mention it sounded like I had some abandonment issues. I'd never thought of it that way before until she used those words. She was 
able to recommend a resource for me was actually a video series by Jimmy Evans. One of the very early chapters in that, um, that video series is accepting Christ into your heart. I was in a dark place and I was struggling and I was, I was praying to this higher power, to God, to help me. And it was just me in my bedroom at night, like it was midnight and I'm reading and I could feel my heart actually fill with the love of Christ. I accepted him and it was one of the best feelings ever. I don't second guess anymore. I have this faith that I will never be alone and he is with me. And so my fear of abandonment from the people who are close in my life, um, I don't have that fear anymore because I know that I am loved and my, my worth isn't in whether someone loves me or my friends choose to hang out with me or I have attention or any of that. It's the love that Christ has for not just me, but for all of his people. But the statement that he would leave the 99, it was really something that impacted me and made me feel like I am seen and I am loved and it changed my life. I love that video. In the midst of fear, in the midst of darkness, she chooses to put her faith and trust in Jesus. Do you hear what she said? It, it changes everything. It's not like her abandonment issues just went away. Those are scars that will remain on her soul and on her mind for the rest of her life. But now, because she's put her faith and trust in Jesus, she can face those fears and walk through those fears because she has something reliable. Have you transferred your trust and put your faith in Jesus alone as your savior? Devin was trying to put her, her faith and her trust in herself in the world, in the people, the things, the advice of the world. And ultimately she realized that's not gonna hold up. But rather she transferred her trust from all those things to Jesus, to a wonderful counselor, to a mighty God, to an everlasting father and to a prince of peace. And it's changed everything. I would invite you if you have never done that, that you would not leave here today. You wouldn't sign off online until you have done that. Because our fears and the darkness, that may not go away. But what can change is that you can place your trust in Jesus. He can be your wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father and prince of peace. And that'll make all the difference in the world. We have these connect cards for those of you who are here in person. You can fill it out and say, I'm ready to accept Christ, to put my faith and trust with him. For those of you watching online, you can go to our online bulletin, do the same thing, reach out to our online ministers. Please, I would urge you, I beg you to not leave without having, being 100% confident that you have placed your trust in the only one worthy, in the only one reliable. Let me pray and we'll continue in worship. God, thank you so much 
for Christmas Eve to turn our face and direct our attention to you, Jesus. And Lord, it's been a year and who knows what's coming down the pipe in 2021. But we don't have to be worried. We don't have to be paralyzed by fear. Jesus, if we place our trust in you, you can be our wonderful counselor, a mighty God, our everlasting father and prince of peace in the midst of anything. You're reliable. You hold up. You're eternal. You're strong. And so, God, I pray if there's anyone here who is putting their faith and trust in something else, Jesus, they would transfer it to you. That they would receive salvation and forgiveness and now have eternal life in you, Jesus. Thank you for coming to earth, to wrapping yourself in flesh living a perfect life and dying a death on our behalf, absorbing that sin so that we can have this best, most special and precious gift ever is your righteousness and eternal salvation. We love you and we worship you. In your name we pray.